just tying into what Stephen was sharing with us earlier, and of course what we've talked about in the service. Um, about, uh, I guess it was about August, I started feeling like a spiritual shift was happening. Something was moving, and some things were changing, some things were being released uh, that had been kind of held back, and uh, I think we're on the precipice of it. I don't think we're in the fullness of it, but I think that uh, this is just kind of letting us know where God is taking His church. Uh, God always ordained that the church be supernatural, not natural. Thanks for your enthusiasm. The church is a supernatural thing in the earth. It has supernatural, full of supernatural people because they believe in a supernatural God. And uh, so uh, I definitely think miracles are going to be a big part of that. Um, I think like prophecy, I think that all the gifts of the Spirit are going to be manifesting. I think that um, that we're going to find uh, something, we're going to find out in, in God's work that it isn't uh, just about being a part of something that has happened, it's all of it happening together at one time. And, uh, you know, each move of God has had its own specific things that it brought, but Smith Wigglesworth prophesied years ago, uh, and, uh, and others, Dr. Hagen did before he passed away, um, they all prophesied about this coming move of the Spirit, that it would be the culmination of every move that has happened, and it will be the end-time sweep that will, before the church is raptured out of the earth and all things come to an end. Everything is coming to an end. Amen. There is a, you know, I know that, you know, in our thinking that, like, everything's just going to go on forever, but everything isn't going to go, going to go on forever. There's a conclusion to the story. There's a conclusion to the story. And uh, the book of Revelation is very clear about that, talks about what's going to happen in the end times. Much of that you won't even be here for, but uh, you need to realize there's a conclusion. And, uh, you know, there, it, it, there will be a time that all of a sudden, there will be two things that are happening, and i, I got to get into my message, but two things that will happen. One, there will be a great fire that hits the church, and God's people will be more used and more... Uh, more on excited about the things of the Spirit than they ever have, and then there will be also a great falling away that will take place. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. There will be people that just go cold. And, uh, you know, we hear a lot about Azusa Street, uh, you know, the move of the Spirit in Azusa Street, and uh, where Pentecost broke out really in the United States and uh, uh, through John Seymour and others. Um, and... Uh, we hear about how the, they had these meetings and the power of God would hit those meetings. But you need to know that in those meetings, and this is all written down, in those meetings there would be one person sitting in a chair that could, was, couldn't even hardly sit up because the power of God was so strong, tears flowing down their face. Others were laughing. Just, just the power of the Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully on this individual and right next to them was someone that was getting absolutely nothing out of the service. And I think that'll be a picture of what happens, is there'll be those who are so caught up in their own lives, their own stuff, their own problems, their own, that they're not seeking the Lord. And I realize, look, the challenge is all of us, the, you know, that, that's how the enemy shrinks us, is by getting us caught up in the things of this life. Think about it. The Bible talks about, in Mark chapter 4, it says, and they have no root in themselves, 
And so when tribulation and persecution come, they, fit, they wither away because of it. And then he talks about the thorns, the things that choke the word. Doesn't say they don't get the word. They hear the same word everybody else hears, but the word can't go any further because it's being choked out by the cares of this world. Fox News. Uh, look, you get caught up in the care. I, look, I think you should pray for... I, look, I... I pray for our president. I pray for God's protection, God's move on him. I pray for our Congress. I pray, but look, I'm not going to let the media control my faith. You can't do, don't do that, okay? And, and that's happening. It, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's got control of people's lives. And so what we, you know, I'm not critical of Fox News. I'm not going to stand here. There are some I could be critical of, but you know, but, but let's, not, let's just take one that we're familiar with and say, look, what we have to do is we have to open, if you're not reading your Bible as much as you're watching the newscasters, you, you wonder why our, we're so discouraged and fearful. We're not supposed to be fearful in the last days. We're supposed to be faithful. That means full of faith. Amen. So I'm not against, I watch the news, I look at stuff online, I mean, I'm, I, I do all that kind of stuff, but I don't let it control my life. But I do let it lead me to prayer. Amen. And how to pray. Amen. Look, I, I'll just be very honest with you about this, just with the whole political thing, but I mean, talk about the church too, because I could tell you stuff that's going on in the church and make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I pray that every bit of corruption is exposed on every level. Let it all come to the surface. Let every one of them that's corrupt be cast out. Get them out of the system. Pastors that are corrupt. Politicians that are, let them get out. Because look, we want a, you know, the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. So I'm not saying we cast them out of our lives. We cast them out of the church. I'm saying, let's get them out of leadership. Amen. My Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Amen. So thank you for your enthusiasm. Enough with my political speech. But there is a move of the Spirit happening. Now, in Gideon, Gideon is a great example of what I believe where the church is right now. Um, and uh, I think you'll bear a testimony with us here this morning. Verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazurite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now, where is he? He's hiding, right? The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord, and here's, here's, why he, here, here's his issue right here. This is why he's hiding, and this is his issue that he's struggling with. If the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening to us? I think a lot of Christians are asking that question. I've asked that question this year. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We've all had questions about what in the world is going on. I've seen too many people die this year. I've been here 26 years, 27 coming up in December. Never had to deal as much. People that I'm close with that are gone. 
Now, I've dealt with my family, but that's a different thing. I'm not the pastor of my family. But I've struggled through some of those things that we've had to deal with. And I'm like, God, where in the world are you at right now? I'm sure some of has anybody, don't raise your hand, but has anybody asked that question? God, you know, look, I tithe, I give my offering. Stephen's up here. You know, I just think what a great conundrum, a, a mystery, because he's talking about, come on, folks, we should give. And, you know, if he was telling a testimony of, yeah, God blessed me with a new truck and God gave Elizabeth a brand new van, it's all paid for, glory to God. And we had all the money we needed to take care of our house. So I'm encouraging you to give tithes and offerings because, praise God, God meets all our needs according to his riches and glory. But he's talking about two by fours holding his Jeep seat up and talking about they don't have a van and they don't have the money right now to be able to fix their house up. But see, that's what faith looks like. That's what it looks like. I mean, that's the when you can stand up and you can say, God is true and every man is a liar and these circumstances are all going to come to pass. They're all going to change. Everything's going to... And so I'm going to keep on tithing. I'm going to keep on giving offerings. And I'm going to think about what this is affecting in the kingdom of God and, and how it's affecting my life. That, to me, is absolutely powerful. Amen. Gideon said, look, if the Lord is really with us, you know, pastor gets up and tells us every week the Lord's with us. Well, if, that's with, if he's with us, why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? And then he goes on and he said, and where are all his miracles? Oh my goodness, man. I mean, he is really ticked. You know, I mean, the, the angel, what did the angel do? All he did is said, hail mighty man of valor. He didn't show up and say, you little weenie, why are you hiding down here in the, in the wine press? Right? He said, hail, mighty man of valor. And Gideon gets, well, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if God's really with us, then why is this happening to me right now? Where have you been? You're a day late and a dollar short. I needed you yesterday. I don't need you today. And by the way, where's all the miracles? Come on, man. My father's told me about all these incredible miracles that you did. I mean, I've heard about all these powerful things that you did. And so where is all that today? Why is that happening today? I've seen people at church still going out in wheelchairs and taking their walkers. And I've seen blind eyes that still aren't open and deaf ears that haven't popped yet. And, 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 and people that have dealt dealing with cancer that are still, still dealing with it or some have died. Where are you, God? Where are all your miracles? And you know, it's just, it's really interesting. He, he goes on and he says, look, didn't the Lord, didn't, I mean, didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And I love this in verse 14. And, you know, this is how God answers you. Because, you know, when you ask God questions, he is not obliged to answer your question, especially if it's full of doubt. I guess this is that silence we talked about earlier. <laughs> Now, why, why is God responsible to answer to your doubt? He's a God of faith. So when I come, and I, and I have, I'm not standing here. Look, I'm not telling you that I haven't. Man, I told Sharon the other day, I, when that rain was coming, you know, the heavy rain, the two inches and two and some two and a half inches of rain our farm got. 
Flood field, field floods. I mean, barns got getting water in it. It's late at night. Sharon, she goes right to sleep. I mean, she, she's out. I'm laying in bed and anxiety. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, I'm not an anxious person, but I know what this is. And it's anxiety. And I mean, I'm, my gut is in knots. And I, the rain, I just keep hearing the wind and the rain hitting. And I'm thinking, I better, I better stay awake because the basement might flood and the electric might go. You know how the enemy works? And so now you're running scenarios, right? And the power will go out and my sump pump won't keep up and, and, and we'll lose the property and we'll have to go through all of this and we'll have to deal with all that. My animals will drown. And, and, the, and then I look at, and like a ding dong, I keep looking at the weather. You know, I get on the weather map and it's, it's, too, it's, it's like 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm laying wide awake. I have another room, my study. I went in there, I have a bed in there and I'm in my study and I'm laying in the bed and I am just keep looking at, I hear the rain, the wind and I look at this, I look at the map and it's two in the morning and on the map, a tornado shows up in Alma. Just, you know, a warning, tornado warning. I'm thinking, dear Lord Jesus, I better stay awake. Sharon's in. I'm thinking I'm, maybe I ought to get Sharon up. No, no, she's snoring pretty good in there. I'll just leave her alone. And uh, so I'm just going to stay. I was like Jesus. She's like Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> Doesn't it tick you off when people can sleep in the back? Come on, be honest. Doesn't it make you mad? You're out there fretting and worrying about it. And there's... <laughs> I can't sleep. I'm trying everything I can. I'm rebuking the, I'm doing what Stephen said. I'm, God, you rebuke the devourer for my sake. I'm quoting scriptures. I'm dealing with anxiety. I, I'm casting my cares as much as I can get them off, but my stomach is, and I keep hearing the rain and it keeps, and then finally about 3 a.m., I think I just finally just conked out, you know, just passed out from the whole thing and got up the next morning and, you know, there was some water, but it wasn't, it wasn't a flood. It wasn't life-threatening. The tornado went away as quick as it showed up on the, on the weather map. But see how the enemy will work? Have you ever had that moment in your life where you just wonder, where in the world are you, God? Where are you? And where, yeah, I mean, where are your miracles? I've read so much about, you know, Gideon, this whole thing about miracles is so powerful. You know, he talks about Egypt, God bringing them out of Egypt. And, you know, when we, when we like look at the story about them coming out of Egypt, we really, you know, we focus more on the 10 plagues that happened to get them out of Egypt, the 10 things that happened. But we don't realize the incredible thing that happened in the wilderness. Okay, look, they go into the wilderness. Now, they only have the provisions they've brought with them, and those run out. They only have the water they brought from Egypt, and that runs out, okay? And so they're in trouble. When they get out there, they did not leave with a great plan except to trust God. I mean, Moses was not this great, like, yes, we'll have, uh, you know, one billion bottles of water set aside, and, you know, we'll go down to the, you know, make sure that we've got... You know, we got on Jim Baker's program and bought his survival food that he has and have enough for everybody, you know, that'll last at least after you're dead.
quartermaster general in the army reported that Moses would have had to have 1,500 tons of food every day to feed the 3 million people that were in Israel at the time, that were in the traveling group from Israel. Think about this. They would have had to have 4,000 tons of wood every day to start their fires. 4,000 tons of wood. And a few more freight trains, each a mile long, just to be able to make it one day because there was no way there wasn't enough tree. I mean, there aren't enough trees in the wilderness. They would need 11 million gallons each day of water. 11 million gallons to take care of that many people. 11 million gallons. If they had a train that could bring that water to them, it would be 1,800 miles long, full of water. Yeah, that's what Gideon heard about. You did that for them. You know, have you ever heard? I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but, you know, you're sitting there, you're suffering, and somebody's telling their testimony about God's provision. Oh, yeah, man, God took care of us. Glory to God, you know. Look, one, you don't know what they went to to get to the provision being met. They're probably going through the same hell you're going through right now. Is there anybody here? Oh, yeah. You're just hearing the, the end of the story. You're not hearing the, you know, middle of the night, praying, fasting, calling out to God, worrying, working out the worry, all the things that they had to do. 11 million gallons every day of water. For them to get through the Red Sea, if it was only a double file path, like you see on, you know, when you watch the Ten Commandments every year, the line would have been 800 miles long and would require 35 days and nights for them to get through. They did it in one night, which means that the Red Sea had to part three miles wide. So I want you to think about that for just a minute, all right? We're three miles from Breckenridge right now, okay? So that means where they passed over in one night, God took a sea and he moved those waters. Can you imagine how high those piles of water were that he, it says he congealed them, he froze them, that he took those waters and blew them all night long. They spread apart. They're on every, they're on each side, three miles wide for them to travel through. Yeah, we heard about that, God. We heard what you did for the people when they got out of Egypt. What about me? What about my deal that I'm going through right now? They would have, uh, they would have had to have been 5,000 abreast to get over in, one, in the time frame that they did. Not, we're talking 3 million people. They would have had to, when they camped, you talk about a big old campground, it would have been two-thirds the size of the, size of the state of Rhode Island to travel, which means it was 750 square miles, 750 square miles long. That's a big campground. Now, scholars are the ones that have estimated there was 3 million people when they walked out of, it, out of Egypt. For them, you know, we hear the story about the manna. Oh, they went out in the morning and they found manna. I want you to think about this. For the Israelites to have the manna that they need, which each man would eat, be able to eat morning and evening to his fill, they would need 4,500 tons of manna every single day. 4,500 tons of manna. 
in the period of time for 40 years that they traveled in the wilderness, they would have needed 65,700,000 tons of manna to have been provided. Oh, it was just a coincidence, right? That this miraculous stuff. How about the quail? You know, we see it on, you know, little birds flying around. And it's, oh, they, look, they're God's provision. So if every, every person ate one quail a day, in one month, they would need 90,000 quail. 90 million, excuse me, quail to eat. 90 million quail. Your Bible tells you, if you really study it, that it was three foot deep of quail. Well, it was just a flock of birds flew in, Pastor. Come on, it wasn't. Okay, I'm telling you, there's no flock of birds that's three foot deep in the circumference of how big they were, how big the camp was where they were at. They would need 90 million quail a month. If they ate two quail a day, of course, you can figure that out, they would have needed 180 million quail. According to the Scripture, the way that it reads, now I want you to think about this, okay? It was three feet deep, two cubits deep, a day's walk. And a man can walk 20 miles in one day. The average man can walk 20 miles in one day. So from here to Saginaw, 20 miles, you know, to, to Shields there, it, there would be three foot deep of quail. And that's in all directions. So now let's go the other way. We go there, and it's three foot deep. Where did all those quail come from? God miraculously supplied. So here's Gideon. Hey, now wait a minute. We heard about what you did. Now why aren't you doing that for us? You've abandoned us. You've forsaken us. You've left us behind. You have, you're not taking care of us. They would have needed every single day, if you could just think about this, they would have needed every uh, single day 15 million gallons of water. I mean, we're talking about waterworks. These are little Israelites with jars of water. Where are they getting their water from? Out of the ground. It's coming out of a spring. That's a lot of gallons of water. God provided. That's what Gideon knew about. No wonder he was frustrated. Where are your miracles, God? Why aren't you doing what you did before? Well, I want to tell you that God really challenged Gideon in this place. Because, I, because Gideon, his response to him, the angel of the Lord said back to him, look, Go in this might of yours. What the heck kind of answer is that? That isn't even what I asked you. I asked you where you've been, and I asked you where your miracles are. And he says, hey, go in this might of yours, my son, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites because I've sent you. Okay, that's not going to cut it with me. And I'm going to tell you what, that isn't going to cut it with you either. I mean, you're just going to stare at God like you're staring at me right now. <laughs> well, okay, uh, uh, okay. Uh. So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, 
how can I save Israel? Indeed, now he starts talking about his people and, and he says, I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord says, look, man, surely as I, as the Lord, surely I'll be with you and you'll defeat the Midianites as one man. And of course, then they had to go through a series of tests that Gideon put God through to get him to show that he was actually going to be with him and to help him. See, here's what I want you, a couple of things I want you to write down. One is we talk to God from our reality. God talked to us, talks to us from our potential. We talk to God from our reality. We really do, because we're human. I mean, that's just part of our human element. We see it, we feel it, we touch it, we taste it. We have the emotions that are tied to it. We have the experience that we've been through. And so we talk to God from our reality. We see the debt, we see the problem, we see the difficulty, we see the doctor's report. We go through all of that. It doesn't mean that God doesn't see it. God knows full and well what's going on. But what God's going to talk to you about is your potential. This is what's possible. This is what is possible. And so the other morning when I was praying over this, and you can write this one down too if you want, um, is that uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me at my desk, and just this is what he said. He said, you let, you're letting your identity get in the way of my ability. You're letting, getting, you're letting it get in the way, your identity. That's what he dealt with. That's what The whole time, that's what the angel was dealing with. Hail, mighty man of God. I'm no mighty man of God. I'm, I'm a mess. I got problems. I'm, you're not talking to me. Who else is here? Who's in the room? You know, somebody else you must be thinking about. You're not thinking about me. My family's a mess. My family, I don't deserve to. You, come on, you, you see, I'm part... You're telling God stuff he already knows about. But see, that's how we talk to God. We talk to him out of our reality. But God responds to our potential because he knows who we are. He knows what we're really capable of becoming. He knows the authority that he's invested for you and I. See, when we let our identity, who we think we are, get in the way of God's ability, we will negate God's ability in our life. We'll negate it. We'll stop it. Identity is, is the great crisis of our age. I'm, look, I, I've said this on our, my weekly program I do on Monday nights. Identity is the crisis of, the, of this century. More people are struggling with their identity. Who am I? Where, where, you know, what, what am I really about? What can I do? What can I really accomplish? I just talked to a friend of mine yesterday at an open house, and I was just sharing with them. They said, yeah, we were just at a conference. And uh, I said, how did it go? And they said, well, it, went, it, it was really good. And I says, well, what was it about? Well, it was about limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs, things that we believe that limit us, that make us think we can't do it. And I says, well, tell me some of the ones that were brought up. And this is what the, my friend said back to me. Well, they were mostly things that other people had said to them. Why are you letting anybody but God define who you are? Well, my dad told me, well, my mom said, well, my teacher said, well, there you go. And so we have these limiting beliefs. And uh, the Lord spoke to me about this. He said, not only are they limiting beliefs, but they're terminal beliefs. They will terminate you if you don't deal with them. See, why would we believe anything that someone else says about us when God says so much already about us. 
I mean, God says some pretty powerful stuff about you. Some pretty powerful stuff. The issue is we just give more credit to flesh and blood. Somebody says, well, I need, you know, look, I appreciate what God said, but I need God with, I need somebody with skin. No, you don't. Because people with skin will lie to you, will tell you the wrong stuff, will advise you the wrong direction. I'm not speaking against it. We don't need other people. I'm just saying, look, if they're not speaking from a testimony of the word, you don't need to go to them for advice. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, uh, there was a young kid, his name was Benjamin, and uh, he lived in Detroit, actually. And he was wanting to go on to become a surgeon. He was really struggling in school, and chemistry was his worst subject. It was the worst subject in college. And he realized that he was in trouble, and if he didn't pass chemistry, there was no way he could go on to medical school. And so he was really, he went, he went before God totally frustrated at night because he was pulling an all-nighter. And if you've ever done an all-nighter, you know the pressure that's involved with that. And so he's studying, I mean, and he's looking at the words, and he finally comes to the place. He says, God, he's a believer. He says, God, you know that there's nothing I desire more than to be a surgeon. That's all I want to do. And Lord, could you help some way help me to be able to learn this? You know, chemistry, when you get to the college level, is formulas. I hated chemistry. I'm not great at math, and it was all formulas. You know, X plus Y over Z equals zinc. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I, I was terrible. Wendy could enlighten us about chemistry over here, I know. So... He's sitting in his, he's sitting in his in his dorm and he's just totally frustrated and he asked God for help and he says all of a sudden he said man after I asked God for help I got so tired he said I fell asleep and he said I asked God for strength to be able to stay up all night and he made and I fell asleep and he said but here's what happened he said all night long he says as soon as I fell asleep I saw this chalkboard and there was a man standing at the chalkboard and he was writing out these formulas. And as he would write these formulas out, then he would show you how he got to his conclusions. And he said, all through the night, that's the dream that I had, was all these formulas. And he says, I woke up in the morning, I was just like, I'm done. I, that's it. God, you let me down. You failed me. I'm, I, did, I asked you to help me stay awake to study. I'm now I'm in trouble. And so he goes to his class. He's like, I'm going to take this and fail, and that's it. I'm out of I will never make it to medical school. This is a true story. He, lives in Detroit, he lived in Detroit. So he takes his, he sits down to take the exam. And wouldn't you know it, the first question that was on the chemistry exam was the first thing that the guy drew on the chalkboard in his dream. So he just started following exactly what he saw in the dream. He looked at the second question. It was the exact formula that was in the dream. The second question, third question, fourth question. He went through the whole test. Every one of those questions that was on the test, he dreamed about and saw how to work them out and put the solutions down. And he aced the test and he ended up going to medical school, becoming a surgeon. And he is now the leader of HUD, which is Ben Carson. What a phenomenal story. Dr. Helen Rosevere, she ran an orphanage over in Africa. And she was really, uh, they were in a tough spot. The kids, some of the kids were getting sick. And 
they had uh, one of the ways that they would help the kids was they had a water bottle that they she had brought with them, and she would use that water bottle to put cool fluids in, you know, to cool the kids down and try to, you know, to keep it because they couldn't get ice. And uh, one of the little girls got really sick, had a high fever. And so Dr. Rosevere went over and got the water bottle and started to fill it with water and the water bottle broke. It burst, I mean, it, it bro broke open. And she was like, I don't know what to do because I don't have any other way to be able to help this kid. We're not close to a city that we can go into a grocery store and buy a, you know, a water bottle. They don't come easy, there's none here and I don't know what I'm gonna do. So she called all the kids together uh, and said, would you guys pray with me that somehow God will provide for us uh, a way to be able to help this little girl, you know, I forget her name was Susie or something like that, that's sick. And so one of the little girls, she says, well, I want to pray. I want to pray. And she said, okay, go ahead. Because she said, truthfully, she says, man, I was spent. I had tried to help this kid and I was just tired. And so she said, this little girl starts praying. She said, Lord Jesus, you, it's nothing for you to provide a water bottle. And Lord, I believe that you'll provide a water bottle so we can put fluids in it and help little Susie so she can be restored and healed. And Lord, while you're at it, I'm going to ask you if you would bring a brand new doll for Susie as well, just to let her know how much you love her. Well, Dr. Rosevere said that when that little girl was praying, maybe you've had this happen before. While she's praying, she's like, I don't believe any." <laughs> that's going to happen. I want to believe it. You know, you want to believe it. But it's just like none of that's going to happen. And just like that, as soon as the little girl got done praying, there was a box delivered to the village where they were at. And they opened up the box and started going through it. And inside, the first thing on the top of the box was a hot water bottle. Well, the little girl goes, hey, wait. I didn't just pray for a water bottle. I prayed there'd be a doll. So there's a doll in there somewhere. And she ran over and started throwing stuff out of that box. And she got down in that box and she found that doll baby was laying in the bottom of that box and gave it to that little girl and said, Susie, God wants you just to have this, just to know how much he loves you. Now here's the miracle. That box had to have been sent five months prior to it ever getting there. Five months. Whoa. I, that... Everybody think that's a miracle? I would say that's a miracle. Well, that's just coincidence, Pastor, that it all worked out that way. Okay. Dwayne Miller is a pastor. Uh, he's still a pastor to this day. One morning he got up, was getting ready to go to church, and he ended up having a fever. It was a very high fever. And it got so bad, his throat got sore, and he was just he was thinking, man, this is terrible. Well, the fever broke, and it went away, but his throat still was sore. And it stayed sore for a long period of time. And eventually what happened was, is, is that his throat became unable to speak anymore. He lost all of the nerves in his throat. Um, and he couldn't talk. He, when he talked, um, he could only talk in a whisper to people. And he went to, over a three-year period, went to 65 different specialists. He asked, what's the chances of me ever getting better? And they said, nothing, zero. You have no chance of ever recovering, ever recovering. Well, he knew he was called to preach, and he just didn't know what he was going to do, but he just kind of resolved that, well, that's the end of that. And, uh, you know, I believe I'm a healer, but I'm going to have to deal with this for a long period of time, so I'll just have to deal with it and, you know, and find a different way. Well, his Sunday school class that he taught at the church had refused to let him go. They said, look, 
We'll get a microphone. We'll listen to you in a whisper. We love you. We want you to teach us. And so would you continue to teach us? And so he did, and he did that for several months. He kept teaching the class. Well, one weekend, he got to the passage where he was supposed to uh, be teaching from, and it was out of Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, it talks about healing. And then it talks about, Lord, you brought me up and redeemed my life from the pit. Now, this is three years later, 65 specialists later. This is being told you have zero chance of ever, I would say after you've heard from 65 specialists, you're pretty much like, well, where else do I go? You're like the woman with the issue of blood. Having spent all you have and being none better, you're like, well, I guess this is it. But he begins talking to his class. And while he's talking to his class, this just recently happened, while he's talking to his class, and he quotes that, and the Lord redeemed me from the pit, when he got to the word pit, his voice changed. And miraculously, his voice was completely restored when he said the word pit. You brought me, you redeemed me from the, and it came out, pit. Someone in the class, you can go online and listen to this, his name is Dwayne Miller. Someone in the class actually recorded his voice coming back that moment. And you can listen to his voice online that is completely and absolutely restored to perfect now. Now he does a radio broadcast every day. He's still preaching the gospel because what 65 specialists said couldn't happen, God made happen just by saying the word pit. Everybody say pit. Pretty powerful. Can I tell you one more? All right, and then I'll have to wrap up. Jennifer Grosbeck, she was a nurse. She was driving home, uh, and uh, she had an ice spot. She ended up hitting a pylon, a concrete pylon, and her car flipped over and ended up in um, the icy river and ended up upside down. And when, uh, I think it was like 14 hours, I think, I, yeah, 14 hours later, a fisherman happened to see that this car was upside down in the water and that there was a hand sticking out of the, of the car, you know, out of the window. And uh, so uh, he called, of course, the, the EMTs and called the police, and everybody's there. And when they all arrive, they hear come out of the car a voice that says to them, help me, we're in here. Help me, we're in here. They hear it come out of the car. Help me, we're in here. When they, the, 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 fire, the fighters, they respond back to her that we're working as hard as we can, we will get you out. They begin to cut open and they find out that the, Jennifer had been dead on impact. But in the back seat was an 18-month-old baby hanging upside down in her car seat with her hair just touching the water passed out. The baby is alive today. Now, whose voice did they hear? The lead firefighter said that, I'm not really a religious person, but he said everybody that was with me heard a woman's voice come out of the vehicle that said, help us. He said maybe we could have thought it was the wind if one of us heard it, but we heard a woman's voice, all of us heard it. Help us, we're in here. Because God is a God of miracles. The longer you and I try to figure out why things aren't happening, the deeper in despair that we will go. I want you to notice, look, if you're here this morning and you're asking questions about God, God is not obligated to answer. Our, I want him, I, maybe when, I know people say, 
well, when you get to heaven, you can ask. You know what? I think when you get to heaven, you ain't going to care. You'd be like, <laughs> right? I mean, you're like, oh, there you are. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. I don't really want to ask that question now, right? There's Jesus. There, I mean, I, I have all kinds of things I'm thinking about here. I'm, you and I were just like Gideon. Where? Why? Where's your miracles? I heard about this stuff before. Pastor just told us about all these incredible things. And I need money, and I don't have money, and I'm hurting, and I'm struggling, and I'm not healthy, and the doctor said this, and I got this problem. Where's my miracle? And God has the audacity to say, go in the strength of yours. You mighty man or woman of valor. Lord, are you on drugs? I mean, come on, what are you doing? That's not what I asked you. I said, why aren't you taking care of my mess? You took care of Rick's mess and Ken's mess and Linda's mess and, and you took care of Sharon's mess. And, and where's, look, I got a mess. Everybody's got one probably here. Some kind of mess you're looking at. When are you going to fix this? When are you going to straighten this out? And God says, go in the strength of yours, you mighty woman of God. Oh, man. Well, I need five signs, three epiphanies, and I'm casting some fleeces to the ground, and I need some answers. And you know what? Look, as long as you're looking other places than the word for your answers, you'll be deceived. Don't. That is a rare situation in the scripture, what happened to Gideon, that he put those fleeces out there and asked God to do. I mean, first of all, okay, come on. Who is he talking to while he's asking for these fleeces? He's talking to an angel. I mean, we're talking about a guy that zooms in and zooms out, and you don't know how that happened, right? We're talking about that, you know, Gideon was like right there whenever he put the sacrifice together and the angel just reached out a staff and touched it and whoosh, it blew up and then he went up in the, in the fire. Well, I need a little bit more, okay? I need a little more here. A few more confirmations. I'm almost there, though. I'm getting close, but I'm... Huh? Come on. And look, I'm, I'm not... I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me, okay? I, I just need a few more things, God, for you to show me. If you'll just show me that, you know, look, look, I know you heal, and I've seen people healed, and I've prayed for people that are healed, and I'm not healed. But show me that eventually, somehow, give me a sign that I'll be healed, right? Give me a sign. I know you said that my whole household would be saved, Lord, but, you know, come on. You see what nuts I'm dealing with in my family? I mean, come on. They're crazy. They're, they're Looney Tunes. I'm, it's, a, it's bad. They're all sinners. They're all... Huh? God says, well, go in the might, in your might, you mighty man. See, you and I, we come to God in our reality. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but God is always going to respond to your identity. He's always going to respond there because he knows that that's the way that things get changed. See, we want God to come down and fix it. And God's basically said to Gideon, you fix it. And I'll be with you. No, 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 wait. Right? wait, you take care of it and I'll be with you. Huh? 
Lord, you straighten my wife out and I'll be with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> right? Straighten her out. Right? God, get my, get my kid off drugs and I'm here with you, God. I'm right here with you. Right? God, provide that need. Lord, and I, 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 Lord you know, it's almost like the guy that says, it's almost like in the movie, you know, and he, he says to the, to the God of death, he says in Ten Commandments, if you raise my son up, I'll build you a beautiful sanctuary that will be all the glory of Egypt because you rescued my boy. You can't negotiate with God. He is what he is. He says what he says. Well, Lord, don't you care? You know, it's like I'm saying to the, the, the guys, they, what do they do? They're on the boat. I mean, they're going down. It's bad. Water in the boat. Storm is raging. God is asleep. Isn't that how you feel sometimes? We feel that way. Wake up! Don't you, that's just exactly what, the, don't you care that we are perishing out here? I mean, wouldn't you just love to hear the conversation that was going on before they even said that to Jesus? Look at him sleeping back there. Well, he, he told us, he's the son of God. We saw him cast out demons. I've seen him make, you know, turn loaves and fishes into a meal for 5,000. And, and look at him. He doesn't even care about us. Peter, 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 go back there and wake him up. You're, he loves you more than anybody else. Go right? Right? You're his favorite. Come on, Peter. You're, you're his favorite. You go ask him. Come on. And we're with you. Right? Yeah. And we'll, and we'll be with you, right? Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. You ever have somebody say, yeah, I'm behind you, and you look at him and go, yeah, like about a million miles behind me. You're not really there. I can't feel your, I don't feel the love back here, okay? I feel the waiting to pounce moment coming. Lord, don't you care we're perishing? It's no different than what Gideon was saying. And, you know, you just thought, you know, Jesus, he would wake up and go, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I really apologize. I haven't had any coffee today, and I was just so tired. And, you know, I was up all night praying, and, I mean, I was talking to the Father, and I'm just like, oh, I'm exhausted. And I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, that you were afraid. I'm sorry that you let, I'm sorry that you were worrying about. I'm, you know, guys, I really, you know, Come here, let's get a circle and sing kumbaya to each other just for a moment, you know, and help each other and love each other and let's just pat each other on the back and it's going to be okay, guys. We'll be, no, you know what, Jesus, he, he's like, what's wrong with you guys? Where's your faith? Well, <laughs> how dare you, Lord, respond to me that way? Where's your faith at? They're all looking at each other. Well, what, what, are we, what are we supposed to do? You know what? He couldn't rebuke them for something that he hadn't already told them how to deal with. See, the story that you read was Jesus rebuked the waves. 
But the story was supposed to be, and the disciples rebuked the waves. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know if I could believe that. I, well, believe whatever you want to believe. But look, I can't believe that a loving God rebukes you for something you had no idea what to do. No, they knew what to do. But instead, they got afraid. Just like all of us do. Where are your miracles? Where, where, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? God, if you can do, you know, we write songs that even sing about, it. you know, oh Lord, if you can do anything, help me. Oh God, please help me. If you can do anything, I, I don't know what to do, but Lord, if, if there's any way, somehow, some way that Lord, and we get into this, like even in prayer time and songs, we get into this like whiny, blah, 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 and God's just going, shut up. And it's not a shut up like I hate you. It's like, shut up, I can't help you. I can't help you because I've already given you the ability. Now get up and get moving and start commanding and decreeing stuff over your life according to what my word says. Go in the strength of yours. Gideon, I don't got no strength. Get out of here. My family's wimpy and weak and, you know, <laughs> nobody knows the troubles we've seen. Nobody knows our sorrows in our family. Nobody's had it as bad as we, and God says, get up and go deal with it. Stand up with me if you would. Where are the miracles at? Well, If the miracle worker's in you, then the miracles are in you. Hallelujah. Now, do we have days that we need other people? Absolutely. And I know I'm just teasing you guys. Look, I told you my story. I would have loved, I was trying to think of people that might be up at 3 a.m. that I could text, like, please come, please, please come rescue me and give me a sleeping pill. I mean, you know, help me. But I don't want to. Go, I didn't want to take a sleeping pill because if the tornado came, then I want to be awake. <laughs> you know, because I'm really going to be able to do something about that, anyways, right? I mean, you know, Mr. Fear of Dying standing out there telling the tornado, "Go away, go away." <laughs> I'll just join my cow in the whirl. <laughs> Now, there are times that we need people that we just need to open up. But see, here's the danger, if that's all you're doing, if that's the end of it. See, limiting beliefs lead to terminal beliefs. Limiting beliefs lead to terminal beliefs. So maybe you're dealing with a limiting belief, like I just don't see how that can change or whatever. Hey, that's better to be transparent before God because blessed are the transparent for they will see God. You want to see God move? Just get real with God. Look, God, I'm scared. I don't have the vision for it. I'm struggling with it. I'm hurting over it. I'm in pain right now. I don't have the faith for it. But God, I know that the miracle is there. I know that your word declares... You know, we as believers, when we take responsibility and say, look, this is where I am, but Lord, this is where you say I can be, then now we can get somewhere with God. 
But as long as we stand around and we blame everybody else for our problems, and as long as we, you know, well, it's my wife, it's my husband, it's my kids, it's my money, it's my boss, it's my whatever, then all we're doing is we're just continuing to reciprocate back to ourselves the element of unbelief that will keep us bound and will lead to terminal beliefs. Terminal beliefs. So I have a question for you. Where are the miracles? Where's God? I want you to look over your situation right now that you're believing for. I want you to just look at it. Don't be afraid of it. It's real. Pain is real. Deficit is real. I want you to look over it. And I want you just to think for a minute. Where's God in that? Where is God in that? Where are you, Lord? And then I want you to hear his voice saying back to you, go in the strength that I give you. Go in the strength of yours. Go in my ability, which transforms your identity. And stop focusing on what you think about you and your ability. And start thinking about me and my ability. I know I've gone long today. I apologize for that. But I just, well, you were laughing, so I couldn't stop. So I know. If you want me to finish early, don't laugh at what I say. So I'm a comedian at heart, I guess. Does this help anybody today? Huh? Hallelujah. You know, when I, when I stand here in, this, in our congregation, I look at Joan back here. And, and doctors were saying all kinds of stuff. Oh, Joan's going to be, she's going. She's kidneys done. Body's shutting down. Huh? Liver's done. I mean, they had to. You know, it's just body parts. They just kept calling them out. Well, this is shutting down. This is filling up. This is blocking. This is not working. Blah, 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 on and on and on. But there were believers, her daughters for one, that said, well, we're being very careful what we're letting being said over mom right now. Right, Right, Joan? They were very careful. They didn't let everybody in the room. Sometimes you got to be like that. Look, I don't care if you don't believe what I'm saying, but keep your mouth shut. Okay? Do me a favor and don't try to undo what I'm believing, all right? So, man, they just kept prophesying over their mom and speaking the word, and we were sending scriptures to the girls, and we were speaking words, and I remember going down to see her, and I mean, you know, here she is. She's laying in that bed. She can barely open her eyes, but her makeup was pristine. Her hair looked perfect. I mean, it was... It was, it was, wasn't it, Sharon? It was Joan's sample all the way. It was just this, and she's like, and I, they said, well, mom can't talk right now, but mom can shake, she can squeeze your hand if you'd say stuff to her. And so, man, we, and blink her and squeeze her eyes. And so we just started speaking the word and saying, Joan, you will live. 
and you will not die and your liver will come active and your kidneys will reactivate in your heart and all these things and her daughters are speaking amen and her family is speaking amen and believers in the church here were speaking that over her life people went down and prayed for faith prayers over her and uh, you know not lord prepare to receive your servant or whatever but good you know stuff like you're going to get up out of this you're going to come out of it and here she is today with us Because what does God say to us when we come with all of our deficits? He says, I'm enough. I'm enough. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. God, you're enough. Lord, you're enough. Lord, you're enough. I know, God, you're not going to answer all my questions in this life. And I've got a bunch of them. But God, I know you're enough. And so today, my declaration over my life is, is that, God, you are enough for me. You're enough for me. You were enough in the beginning when I came to Christ. You're enough in my life today as a believer in Christ. And Lord, you'll be enough for me when my life ends on this earth. Lord, you'll be enough. You're enough, Lord Jesus. In fact, I'll say that you are more than enough, Lord God. You're more than enough. And so, Lord, even though I may not understand, I may not be able to figure everything out, I may not even see your hand at work, I can always trust your heart that you are enough, Lord God, and that you love me and you're with me. You never left me. You've never forsaken me. And God, even when I couldn't see you there, you were there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pray over those who are battling through anxiety today. God, they're battling through the day-to-day toil of anxiety. You know, your word says anxiety in the heart causes depression. Father, I come against that anxiety. We, this morning, cast our care. And God, we realize it's our care. It's not your care. We cast the whole of our cares. That financial thing, I cast that over to you. The health thing, I cast that over to you. My family, I'm throwing, God, that, I cast that to you. Lord, we cast our cares upon you because you, as the Amplified Version says, you care for us affectionately and because you're watching over us. So I cast the whole of my anxiety, the whole of my care, the whole of my worries once and for all. We'll keep them there. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Dr. Hagen shared years ago how that he needed $150 a week back then in the early days of his ministry to be able to make it. And he came home one week and he only had $100. And he told Aretha, his wife at the time, he said that, I'm, real, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Aretha, I only have $100 this week, but God will make it up somewhere along the way. And Aretha says, well, don't worry about it, Ken, because we didn't need 150 this week. You know, you think this is going to be good, but it actually it's got bad. She said, we need 300 And he said he went to bed that night and he couldn't sleep. And he says, so I cast my care upon the Lord, because that's what the scripture says to do in 1 Peter 5. He said, it took all night, but I finally got it off. (laughs) Look, you may still be carrying care, but you keep getting it off of you. Get it off of you because it's not helping you. It's not drawing you closer to God. It's actually trying to drive you from God. 
And it might take all night. You might have to give up a meal. You might have to pray for a while and not watch your favorite soap. But cast your care upon the Lord because He cares for you. Get it off. It might take all night, but get it off your life. Can you say amen? Father, bless these as they go today, Lord. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the, that your presence is here, Lord God. Your power is here. Your miraculous ability, Lord God, is here. Father, as we close out the service today and we pray for people that want prayer, Father God, I thank you that there are, there are people whose faith is activated today, Lord God, for miracles. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that before they even leave here, Father God, that miraculously, Father God, there's going to be change, change that's going to take place. And I just give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Before you go, Pastor, the Lord just laid on my heart as you were sharing that with the disciples in the boat. Yeah. They went to Jesus and said, don't you care? Yeah. It was a prayer. Yeah. They prayed. They spoke with God and they prayed. And God said, you have no faith. Yeah. But what did God do despite the fact that they had no faith? Yes. He answered yes. the prayer. Yes. Mm, that's good. John. So there are you, some of you out here, as the Lord spoke to my spirit, that you're saying, I don't have faith for that. God says, ask. Yep. I'm a God whose mercy is new every morning. <laughs> and he said this, peace be with you. Yes. Yeah. Peace be with you. That's good. John. And then the context said, as, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you with that peace. And the very next verse in John chapter 20, verse 22, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. You walk in the peace of God because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So as you pray, whether you think you have faith or not, God is merciful. God is there. So respond to the word, yes. act in obedience to it, and watch God be great. Amen. Amen. Prayer, prayer team, go ahead and come on up here to the altars. God bless you. Have a great day. If you'd like.